Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens coming to you from dystopian Burlington, Vermont. It is February 3rd, 2024. Thanks for joining us. Woke has infiltrated everything. Hedonism, narcissism, moral inversion. They've captured every level of government, media, medicine, academia, and mainstream social standards. There is no place to hide. You'll see that in this episode tonight. And just because you live in a red state where people are still polite in the grocery store or on the street does not mean that it isn't happening where you live. It is, and it's going to happen more. Americans in red states often tell me I should come to where they are because it's not infected. I believe them that the atmosphere today, where they live, is better than where I live, in deepest blue Vermont. But I would say this to them, to you. You had better sharpen your sword, and you'd better get a lot more alert and do it quickly. Your complacency may be the death of the civilized lifestyle that you still enjoy. I don't, I don't say this to be right, I say it because I believe, unfortunately, that I am correct, that I'm seeing something real. I've lived in the decline. I've seen the decline. It wasn't always this way, even in blue America. It wasn't. And today I see how deeply it has reached the Republican Party, conservative America, rural America, and church-going America. You'll see it too. I think we're in an acceleration period. I think that it's getting worse right now. While we see more normies waking up, we see an even bigger push to pervert, to invert, and to destroy the good, the normal, and the sane. What I'd like to know from you in the audience after you watch this show tonight, leave a comment, please. Tell me, tell me what you think. I would like to know whether you believe, whether you're seeing an acceleration, and if you are, do you think this is an acceleration that's going to end all the way at the bottom that we don't get out of, or do you think this is the dark before the storm? Um, I don't know what I think. And part of why I don't know what I think is that... Um. Personally, I've been in a pretty serious depressive state. I'm having a major depression episode. That clouds my judgment. Um, I can still see what I can see, but what it means and and how I'm able to extrapolate out where it might go in the future is compromised by how I'm feeling right now. So I'd be really interested in what you think. But it seems to me that the insanity is so broad and so common – This show practically writes itself. All I have to do is open Google News or take a quick glance at any social media to see it. And no, it's not just social media antics that I'm talking about. It can't be written off that way. I'm talking about real world, real world, physical world on the street and in classrooms. It's shown on social media, but it's not social media antics that I'm that I'm pointing to here. Social media is always a cesspit. 
These are real things that are happening in the real physical world with real people. Let's start small and then we'll go bigger. Poet Joseph Massey, uh, Social Media Mutual, um, went to the doctor this week. Take a look at the paperwork he had to fill out and keep in mind that this is a new development at his doctor's office. You see it on your screen here. It's part of an intake form and Joseph says, I'm in a doctor's office filling out paperwork. What a weird world. I was not assigned a gender at birth. The doctor saw my genitals and knew my sex immediately. Go to hell with these language games. So what does the form say? It asks a series of yes or no questions. Drug use, drink alcohol, how many drinks a day, coffee, tea, soda, how many a day, gender assigned at birth, male or female, and then gender you identify with now, male or female, Oh, they're a little bit behind the curve, aren't they? Expect, doctor's office, expect screaming, emotionally dysregulated women who call themselves non-binary to help you unbinarize your stupid assumptions. Gender assigned at birth. Gender you identify with now. Do you trust these people? What reason do you have to believe any medical advice that they give you? They're telling you, these medical professionals, they are telling you that they believe that sex itself is not real and that it is arbitrarily assigned. These are people who have seen pregnancy up close medically in a way that most of us won't. Many of them have delivered babies. Look at what they're willing to say despite what they know. Do you trust your children with these people? Let's go up one level higher. Well, several levels higher. Let's go to the White House. This is from the Daily Caller. Headline, Biden and Kamala's chief diversity officer departing White House. So sad. I know. The term chief diversity officer has been said so many times that even those of you who are normal probably don't hear that now with shock. Try to get that shocked feeling back because it isn't normal. It's insane. And of course it is because the president himself is literally insane with dementia, literal insanity. He's non mentis. not a joke. Not a, not a dunk, a description of reality. And the vice president, in my view, is also insane. I believe, in my view, that she is a diagnosable sociopath. From the article, Michael Leach, who also serves as special assistant to the president, is leaving the administration after three years in his position, according to the Associated Press. The White House does not appear to have a replacement for Leach, who was included in conversations on how to advance, quote, inclusive perspectives and focused on hiring a, quote, diverse staff. President Biden promised to build an administration that looks like America and delivers for the American people, Jen O'Malley Dillon, the White House Deputy Chief of Staff, told the AP. From the campaign to now, Michael Leach was an instrumental partner to us in fulfilling this promise. 
Well, what what does an administration that looks like the American people look like? Quote, the Biden White House, this is uh, this is from NBC News. The Biden White House employs the most diverse staff in U.S. history, according to a government report filed with, filed with Congress on Friday and first obtained by NBC News, with nearly 50 percent of current appointees identifying as racially or ethnically diverse. Does a 50 percent minority staff look like the United States? This is a question of fact, not opinion. Does that look like America? Next quote. The current White House staff is predominantly female, with women making up approximately 59% of staff. That surpasses the 50.5% share of the national population who are women, per the U.S. Census Bureau. And the 4247 0.2% of the labor force who are women, as reported by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Ah. Okay. Let, let's go a level higher up to the Supreme Court. Tell me if this, this person, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, sounds like somebody with a judicial temperament blind before the scales of justice and concerned only with upholding the Constitution. Story comes from Mediaite. Justice Sonia Sotomayor lamented the Supreme Court's increasingly partisan turn to the right and opened up about the frustration she feels when she votes in the minority. Speaking at a forum at the University of California Berkeley Law School on Monday in remarks reported to CNN, Sotomayor revealed day to, the day-to-day -day toll that losing cases takes on her. <laughs> Quote, I live in frustration, Sotomayor said. She added, every loss truly traumatizes me in my stomach and in my heart, but I have to get up the next morning and keep fighting. Is this a grown-up judge on our highest court or a temperamental teenage girl? You see the emotional labor she has to do as a Latina? Let's go to a state legislature in Colorado. Let's see what kind of infiltration is happening there. This is from the publication The Publica. Transgender drag queen who inspired Bill to make name changes easier for trans felons in Colorado has lengthy criminal record. Well, blow me down. I never could have predicted. What a surprise. How unlike this population. From the story. A transgender drag performer who holds the namesake for a newly introduced Colorado bill that will make it easier for trans felons to change their legal names. Tiara. <laughs> Man, fuck all of you. Tiara Latrice Kelly, also known as Dwayne Antonio Kelly, has a record in the state of Florida for multiple crimes, including prostitution and lewdness. First introduced on January 10th by Representative Lorena Garcia, 
House Bill 24-1071, also known as Tiara's Law. <laughs> seeks to amend the current process for legal name changes in the state, primarily concerning transgender individuals. According to the bill's description, existing law specifies that a person with a criminal record must show, quote, good cause to have their legal name changed, but that gender identity is not currently considered a valid reason. The bill seeks to amend existing policy in order to include gender identity under the good cause allowance for felons. Now, quite obviously, the purpose behind this is the purpose behind making it hard for felons to change their names is so bloody obvious. I shouldn't have to spell it out, but I am going to. It's the recognition that society has a legitimate interest in knowing people's past and their histories. They have a legitimate interest in knowing who has committed felonies. Quite obviously, felons would like to hide their violent or criminal past from potential employers or from schools, especially schools these days. That doesn't matter now because trans. No matter what, trans. Kevin, can you go back and show Tiara again? Okay, take a look at this picture. There's two of them here. Tiara on the left in full lady drag. And on the right, just wearing a broke down shake and go wig and no makeup. <laughs> look at his eyes in the left hand picture. Quite a difference from studio to candid, isn't it? And have you judged that book by the cover that he specifically chose to show you? by designing that glamour shot and taking that face? Because he did choose this. You know what it is? It's this. It's something the Japanese call Sanpaku eyes. I can do that. It's this. Cluster B eyes, sociopath eyes, predator eyes. What does Miss Tiara wish to hide? Quote, a criminal record review obtained by the publica shows Kelly has been convicted of driving without a valid license, criminal trespassing, forgery, possession of controlled substances, and several instances of prostitution and lewdness. Kelly has also been held in contempt of court at least once. In total, Kelly has committed 24 criminal and traffic offenses since 1999, with his most recent being in 2019. There's more. Quote, since moving to Colorado, Kelly has started a drag production company and has organized shows featuring children. Some have been hosted at the Pikes Peak Metropolitan Community Church, Vista Grande United Church of Christ, and La Burley B. Burlesque House in Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs. Conservative. Colorado Springs. But you're safe in your churches, though, in your red states, aren't you? And your children are safe, too, aren't they? 
Let's go another level. Let's go to the U.S. House of Representatives. Ilhan Omar, elected representative from Minnesota. If the translation on the speech given by Omar that I'm going to play a little bit for you is accurate, I don't know what to call this kind of behavior, but bordering on concepts like treason. We have an elected representative from Minnesota, a member of the progressive squad, who appears to put her shithole third world country of origin, Somalia, above the interests of the United States that not only welcomed her and naturalized her, but elevated her to Congress. We're just going to play a small clip because I, I want you to hear it, but her speech was delivered in Somali. Note that there was no English translator provided during this speech. I will then read a portion of the translation to you. Let's listen to that. Okay. That's just a small clip. You can watch the entire speech. It's a speech that she recently gave to a Somalian audience here in the United States about getting the U.S. government to help Somalia against the breakaway region called Somaliland. Um, the portion that we played refers to a memorandum of understanding between Ethiopia and the breakaway government in Somaliland. This is, according to the translation, what Omar said, quote, Many Somalians have personally called me to encourage me to speak to the U.S. government to thwart the Memorandum of Understanding and help Somalia. They wanted to know what the U.S. government could do for Somalia to ensure that the Memorandum of, never, of Understanding never turns into a full bilateral agreement. My answer to Somalians was that the U.S. government will only do what Somalians in the U.S. tell them to do. I believe her. And you should, too. She's right. <laughs> All right. Time for a break. We would love to have your support. We don't have sponsors. We don't have advertisers. But we do have you, our audience, and we're very grateful for it. Will you help us produce this show? Several ways to do it. If you don't want to subscribe monthly, I get that. You can help us out with a one-off. Send a donation, a buck, two bucks, three bucks, five bucks, ten bucks. A million dollars. Send it to us by PayPal. Use the email address us at disaffected.fm. Would you like to help us on a more consistent basis? You can subscribe monthly in a couple of places. Go to our Substack. Go to disaffectedpod.substack.com or join through subscribestar.com slash disaffected. And thank you. We'll see you on the other side. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. 
Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. Let's see how woke is infiltrating state houses and the governor's office. Massachusetts Governor Maura Healey declared a state of emergency last year over the number of illegal immigrants, excuse me, migrants to the state. One of her solutions, asking private citizens to open their hearts and homes to illegal border jumpers. You see on your screen this tweet from the account Libs of TikTok. It says, Melrose, Massachusetts, it's holding an event called Exploring the Host Home Experience to encourage residents to house illegals in their homes. A few months ago, the governor asked citizens to take illegals into their homes. Massachusetts is the only state in the nation with a, quote, right to shelter law, which means the state must provide shelter to anyone who needs it. Elon Musk is right. They're going to come for our private homes. Here's WTN, WTEN News in Massachusetts from last year. Yes, we did. Meanwhile, over in Massachusetts, Governor Maura Healey declaring a state of emergency due to emergency shelters there reaching capacity with migrants. Officials say there are almost 5,600 families and over 20,000 individuals in Bay State shelters. This is 80% higher than this time last year. Governor Healey's administration is now asking Massachusetts residents to help with the crisis. If you have an extra room or suite in your home, please consider hosting a family. Safe housing and shelter is our most pressing need. Become a sponsor family. You can contact the Brazilian Worker Center for more information on how you can step up if you're willing to have an additional family be part of your family. In the governor's letter to the federal government on Tuesday, she stated that the crisis is currently costing the state of Massachusetts $45 million per month on programs to assist the families. It's not costing the state of Massachusetts $45 million a month. It's costing the people of Massachusetts $45 million a month because there is no such thing as state money. There is taxpayer money. That's where the state gets its money from you and me. Can you believe... Could you have predicted 
I'm sorry, I have to say it. This is a consequence. This is a consequence of the normalized idea that the future is female. Yeah, we see henpecked, cuckolded, gelded men who are acting this way too. But this has come from feminist women. Could you imagine state officials at that level ever in any other era talking to you like that? Please consider taking in a migrant family if you have an extra suite. <laughs> what a joke. What an insult. Of course, fact-checking organizations are all over this, making sure that you don't think there's anything sinister about this. And then they're making sure to point out that right-wingers are wrong. They're, they're not going to come for your homes. And, and why they're wrong is because the governor didn't sign an executive order. She didn't make it mandatory. She didn't. I'm, I'm serious. I know I should have clipped it for you. But this is the kind of shit these fact-checking organizations are shoveling into your mouth. <sighs> like they come right out. Like they come right out at step 10 rather than going through steps 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Please, they all know that we are frogs that need to be slowly brought to temperature in a pot that will eventually boil. <clears throat> Let's go across the country to Colorado. Let's see what they're doing on this front with alleged migrants. Migrants, my ass, they're illegal aliens. This, uh, uh, thank you, George. This comes from my from my good friend George in Colorado. This is a an advertisement from Denver Human Services, and it says, "Hey, Denver, support our city's new arrivals by donating to the newcomers fund. There is tremendous urgency to support the nonprofits providing one to one direct support for new arrivals." Your donations to the Newcomers Fund go to nonprofits offering food and shelter and connecting new arrivals to legal and housing support. Donate today. Why? Why in the world would I want to help you give legal support to illegal aliens? Why? Oh, I don't know if you can hear it. Um... This building's not well soundproof, but outside, new normal's going on right now, right outside our window. Screaming domestic argument. Can't quite make out what they're saying, but this is normal now, right on the street in pretty downtown Burlington. Screaming domestic arguments. Baby daddy and baby mama. You know what I heard on the street the other day? Broad daylight. Right out on the street. Group of people standing around in front of a restaurant. One woman says to the other, do you want some pizza? Do you want me to get you some pizza? What does her friend say in return at full volume right out on the street? Psst, pizza? Now I want a dick in my ass, bitch. I want a dick in my ass. That's what I want. New normal. Let's go to Montana. Let's go to the safe, red, northern heartland. This is a hard one. 
This story comes from the website Redux, R-E-D-U-X-X. I cannot recommend them highly enough if you are interested in the truth about what is going on with the abuse of children that we call gender-affirming care. Of all the sites, and I've seen a lot of them, that cover the trans madness, I have found no other site than Redux that tells the explicit, detailed, factual truth about this issue. So all this information is coming from them. Note that the name of the 14-year-old girl that I'm going to be talking about is a pseudonym. Um, let's, um, let's wait on that graph. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Um, I'm going to read to you from the story a little bit. A family in Glasgow, Montana, is accusing the state's child protective services of kidnapping their teenage daughter after the girl began to identify as a transgender boy. Krista and Todd Kolstad spoke to Redux about their ordeal, revealing that the child had been removed from their care and was now going to be sent to Canada. Krista, the child's stepmother, explains that their nightmare began in August of 2023 after they received a call that their 14-year-old daughter, Jennifer, had expressed suicidal ideations while at school. Let me give you some background here about Jennifer, the girl. She's got trauma in her past. Her biological mother abandoned her to her father directly after birth. Her father married another woman, Krista, the stepmother, who treated Jennifer as her daughter. Krista says that Jennifer had problems at home and school, including what she calls attention-seeking behavior. Back to the story. Later on that same evening, a caseworker with Montana Child and Family Services showed up to the Kolstad home, unannounced, by the way, to speak with Jennifer and do an inspection. Krista had been preparing dinner at the time and invited the caseworker to tour the residence, despite both her and her husband being distressed by their sudden appearance. During the interview with Child and Family Services, Jennifer, the 14-year-old girl, claimed to have consumed toilet bowl cleaner and painkiller medications that day in an effort to commit suicide. Krista says that it immediately struck her as being highly unlikely, as not only did Jennifer not have access to either substance unmonitored, but that Jennifer had expressed no symptoms of imminent illness that day she you know, the day she claimed to take these things. Despite their doubts about the veracity of Jennifer's claims, Krista and Todd agreed to take Jennifer to the local hospital on an emergency basis. While there, blood work returned that Jennifer had not consumed any toxic substances. Then the nightmare really begins. Here's the intake report from the hospital. We'll put it on your screen. No, not, excuse me, not the intake report, the discharge summary. Um, and it says, history of present illness. Please see the entire history and physical for details. But in short, Jennifer is a 14-year-old female who identifies as a male, Leo, who presented to the emergency department after an intentional overdose. The patient was admitted for stabilization and initiation of psychiatric medications and care. Note, there was no overdose. That did not occur. The blood work from the hospital showed there was no intentional overdose. There was no unintentional overdose. This seems to me to be an example of the attention-seeking behavior that Krista, the stepmother, was citing. 
It does not point to good psychological things going on with Jennifer. It points to some possibilities that I'm sure all of you now are imagining for yourselves, probably correctly. Back to the story. Jennifer, uh, excuse me, Krista says she and Todd immediately made their objections known to hospital staff requesting that Jennifer be called by her birth name. Quote, we were very clear to the emergency room staff as well as CFS that this goes against our values, morals, and our religious beliefs, Krista said. But hospital staff refused to listen. They told me to call their lawyer if I have an issue as they will do what patients tell them. Hmm. Even 14-year-old patients, traumatized, unstable 14-year-old patients who are temporarily out of their minds. We'll just do what they tell us. You're the parents? Screw you. Quote, I came one day and she was talking about having top surgery and being non-binary, Krista says of the aide. She took her complaint to the on-duty doctor, Krista did, who dismissed her. He told me, why are you not more concerned that your daughter is trying to harm herself than what the aide is talking about? <laughs> you see, right? You see how this girl is definitely troubled. She does need care. She does need psychiatric care, even though she didn't actually overdose. But to give her the care that she needs requires clinicians to be able to identify what's wrong with her, identify what she's doing. And what she's doing is prevaricating. She's malingering. She's lying. It's trauma. Yes. Yes, it does look quite potentially. I can't believe I just said that. Scratch that. Quite possibly. This looks like incipient borderline personality disorder pathology. Not at all surprising. This is the time right now at 14 years old to help this girl recover from what will probably turn into borderline personality disorder. What is she getting instead? She's getting it entrenched and she's getting it calcified. These people are wicked. Dereliction of duty is not anywhere near strong enough to describe what is wrong with this. Krista also says that several staff told her that she needs to respect Leo's pronouns and male name. You see where this is all going, right? It's, it's, going, it's going exactly where you know it is. Quote, Krista describes Jennifer's time in the hospital as a period of constant efforts to undermine her and Todd's parental authority. In addition to not respecting their wishes to refer to Jennifer by her birth name, hospital staff refused to abide by any other requests, such as limiting Jennifer's television and phone time, encouraging her to do her schoolwork, and not allowing her to have copious amounts of junk food. Does this sound like medical and psychiatric care to you? <laughs> They're just letting her sit there on her phone, on pro-trans websites, undoubtedly, getting sicker and sicker and eating as much junk food as she wants. That's medical care? Krista looked up Montana law, and she says it prohibits transing children. But where there's a will, there's a way. 
The family fought the idea of sending Jennifer out of state, which is what the facility wants to do, to a place. They wanted to send her to a place that would trans this girl. And then this. Ten minutes later, Child and Family Services arrived at the Colstead residence with police. Quote, they showed up at our home to serve us with papers to take Jennifer out of our care, Krista says. They told me the reason was that we were, quote, unable or refusing to provide medical care. That's just not true. Refusing to sterilize your teenage daughter and cut out, cut off her breasts? That's refusing to provide medical care. It's abuse. <laughs> this is the language of Cluster B. It is narcissism. It is the inversion of truth. It is a lie. And it is satanic. Next quote. The next day, August 23rd, Jennifer was transported to Wyoming. Despite the fact that Krista and Todd were not allowed to see Jennifer during her move, Child and Family Services did allow Jennifer to stop and see her friends and co-workers prior to leaving the city. Krista would later find out, find out that Jennifer had told her friends that she was, quote, crazy and trying to kill herself and was being taken away from her parents. Next quote. This is all from Krista, the stepmother. They called it temporary legal custody, which means they have the say over where she's at, but we are supposed to be able to have the say over everything else. But that was not upheld. There were incidents of her getting vaccines we did not consent to. We were not told the name of the doctors involved, and she was allowed to shave her head. Well, the nightmare gets worse. On January 19th, the family court took custody from Jennifer's parents and gave it to the state of Montana. Next quote. We were told that letting Jennifer transition and live as a boy was in her therapeutic best interest. And because we weren't willing to follow that recommendation, the court gave Child and Family Services custody of Jennifer for six months. Child and Family Services is now going to place Jennifer in the care of her birth mother in Canada, who was never really been a part of her life. The judge said to us, quote, you need to expect that reunification with your family may not be what you are expecting. Sounds like a threat. Sounds like a threat delivered with delight. And what of Jennifer's birth mother, Christine, who abandoned Jennifer right after birth, walked away, gave her to Todd and walked away. And it hasn't had barely any contact with her own child all these years. What of Christine, where Jennifer will now be living? Here's an excerpt of a counselor's report. This is a therapist who interviewed Christine's four other children who accused their mother of abuse. Quote, in one section of the statement, the counselor describes one of the girls as witnessing incidents of violence directed at an older sibling, which involved Christine throwing that sibling against the refrigerator after becoming enraged at her for wearing her mother's jewelry without permission. The child goes on to detail incidents when her biological mother would punch, hit, slap, and kick her and her siblings. So if this is true, we've got a violent cluster B mother. And this is where the state thinks that Leo 
will be best and safest. <laughs> I can barely believe... I can barely believe that this... I, it's real. I just had one of those I had one of those moments where it hit me. It's real. It's literally a waking nightmare. So will the state send Jennifer to Canada to be transed ultimately? Or to another state? We don't know, but it's likely. What we do know is that the family court judge put a gag order on Krista and Todd, her parents so that they couldn't tell the public what the court was doing to their family. Bravely and bless you, Krista and Todd. They defied that order, and they told the public what was happening, and now they are being hauled up on charges of contempt of court. Expect Krista and Todd to be severely punished. Expect them to have their daughter permanently taken away from them, and expect her to be put under the surgeon's knife. That is the most likely outcome. It's happened to other parents. We've reported on it. Do you feel safer in your red state? Sleep on it. All right, it's time for another break. Do you need somebody to talk to? Have you got cluster B buzzing around you in your family, at work, at home, at church? You can talk to me. I offer one-hour coaching and consulting sessions. I'm not a therapist, but I'm very familiar with distorted psychology. I've lived it. I've been through it. I've come out on the other side of an abusive family. And I'd love to help you if I can. If you're interested in booking time, go to joshuaslocum.net. And if you're a paying member and subscriber to Disaffected, you get a $30 discount. We'll see you after the break. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. Time for audience comments. This comes. This one comes from uh, a viewer I'm going to call Susan. It's not her real name, but I want to protect her from professional retaliation. I'm also disguising, I'm not going to tell you the name of the city where she works. It's a Midwestern city. 
Um, she's a public school teacher. And Susan confirms much of what we talked about last week regarding the poor education that kids are getting in public schools. So here's what she has to say. Hi, Josh. I regularly regularly listen to your podcast, and there's something I want to share that feels relevant to what you talk about. This is a vent slash rant. Bring it, Susan. Suffer your rants unto me. I'm in a master's in a teaching program at a college in a Midwestern city. I'm in training to become an elementary school teacher. The, the semester just started, and I'm taking a literacy course. The adjunct professor is the most insufferable liberal I have ever encountered in recent memory, and that's saying a lot considering where I live. Instead of addressing the literacy crisis, the first class was three and a half hours of identity politics. It was all diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the importance of picking children's books with, quote, queer-coded characters. She, of course it was she, spent 30 minutes discussing the book Pink is for Boys, and criticized how the illustration of the color for the color blue was baseball, which was, quote, gender conforming. I could go on and on. This class costs $5,000 for eight credits. I see no evidence that we will be instructed on how to teach children how to read. Remember, audience, this is a course called literacy. The adjunct professor is an instructional coach at the elementary school across the street from the university. Last I checked, that school has less than 20% of students reading at grade level. Her priorities are so out of whack, and she talked to a room full of adults as if we were fifth graders. Zero people in the room needed to be told that it's okay for boys to like the color pink. She suggested we change the pronouns and add inclusive language to books that don't have it already. I'm over halfway through this program. I feel like I have to suck it up just to get through. People who aren't subjected to this bullshit think conservatives on Twitter are exaggerating about the ideologues running public education. From what I've seen, they aren't exaggerating one bit. Thank you, Susan. I'm sorry. I don't know what to I don't know what to wish for you. I I'm glad that somebody sensible like you is trying to become a teacher but I don't know what you're going to be able to do. You probably already thought of this, but to the degree that you can get away with it, bring phonics in. It's Black History Month, and you wouldn't know what that means. Take instruction from a white woman. <laughs> By now, you should recognize the character of the female narcissist who hides her contempt behind a candy-coated exterior. Here's a reminder. Hi, fellow white people. Black History Month is tomorrow. Let's not do anything to ruin it this year. Okay, my fellow milk crickets? We're going to be good this year. Yes, we are. And if we are, maybe you'll get a prize. But you have to be good. You can't ruin Black History Month this year. Okay? Thank you, my babies. Bye. Fucking bitch. Milk crickets. The sing-song kindergarten voice. The condescension, the attitude of instructing errant children. But she's talking to adults. White adults. 
like her. These narcissistic women would like you to believe that they are full of love, compassion, and altruism. But this is just a velveteen glove hiding an iron fist with embedded cut glass. These women are snakes, they are evil, they are gorgons, and they mean harm, real harm. Another theme we talked about last week, and on many shows, businesses bossing customers around and giving customers codes of conduct with no corollary codes of conduct for how their staff are to treat the customers, of course, because it's 2024 and because COVID is new normal. <laughs> Last week, I talked about this trend of, of putting up signs instructing customers on how the staff expects to be treated. And it's not, it's not just the reasonable stuff. There, there's, there's a degree to which this is reasonable. No shirt, no shoes, no service, no smoking, no loitering, fine. But that's not what it is anymore. Now it is, you will speak respectfully and inclusively. <laughs> to no one's surprise, it's infecting medicine, of course. And they're going even farther than the Starbucks did that we showed you last week. This is from Fox News. The Milford Regional Medical Center's announcement about rules for its inclusive environment caused a stir with a warning to potential patients that they must follow a specific code of conduct to access their services. Dr. Peter Smolowitz chief medical officer at the Massachusetts Medical Center, had released a now-unlisted video. <laughs> Good, I hope it blew up in your face, you dumb fop. I watched it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I know, I know, coming from me, but please laugh at my expense. I get it. But these goddamn low testosterone men. You know, be uh, and inclusive and safe space for our patients. I mean, it's it's just it's just nauseating. Anyway, this now unlisted video on the hospital's official YouTube channel explaining how not just staff, but patients themselves are held accountable for causing offense ranging from rhetoric to a hostile tone of voice. And I picked a couple of pictures for you. Here is the Milford Regional Medical Center's Patient and Visitor Code of Conduct. I know you won't be able to read all that small print on your screen, and, but because I love you and care for you, I picked out some pieces to enlarge for you. Let's go to the next one, please, Kevin. Words or actions that are disrespectful, racist, discriminatory, hostile, or harassing are not welcome, bold type, and bold type will not be tolerated. Examples of these include, one, offensive comments about others' race, ethnicity, accent, religion, gender, sexual orientation, or other personal traits. Two, refusal to see a clinician or other staff member based on these personal traits. Three, aggressive or intimidating behavior, physical or verbal threats and assault. Four, sexual or vulgar words or actions. Five, disrupting another patient's care or experience. 
Piss off. Just wiping that stuff. So, if you're a man, you can't insist on a male doctor, no matter how intimate your medical problem. Because you'd be discriminating by refusing to see them based on their personal traits. Oh, let me into this place. Let me need emergency care from these. Watch what I'll do, and I will. And if you're a woman, you can't insist on a female doctor, no matter how intimate your complaint. You know, the most effective lies are those that mix in the truth. This policy has some reasonable elements. They shouldn't, the staff should not have to tolerate actual abuse or intimidation or threats to staff. Absolutely not. And I do know that it happens. I do know it's real. The bad behavior that has gripped our society and has become normalized does work in all directions. It's not just the doctors or the staff at the store mistreating customers. I see the customers mistreating them as well. But I've always seen that because for much of my life, I worked front-facing. I worked retail. I was a waiter. I was a backup bartender. I did catering. I worked in retail. I know how bad customers can be. But it ain't like it used to be. The biggest offenders are not customers today. They are not. They are staff. And they are mostly millennial and Gen Z with the exception of, I'm sorry, white women, white liberal women, middle-aged white liberal women are awful to deal with. Unless they're explicitly anti-woke. But they mix in these reasonable portions as the spoonful of sugar to get you to take the bitter medicine. They do it to smuggle in their outrageous and authoritarian demands that you conduct yourself according to trans, woke, BIPOC supremacy, or you can forget about medical care. You can forget about it. Notice how far this goes. Let's put this on the screen, Kevin. I even underlined it for you. Please recognize that body language and tone of voice are also part of communication. If we believe you have violated the code with unwelcome words or actions, you will be given the chance to explain your point of view. We will always carefully consider your response before we make any decisions about future care at Milford Regional. Some violations of this code may lead to patients being asked to make other plans for their care. Forget, fuck this. Forget, fuck it. All right, I've used up my allotment and more. Oh, this is my childhood. This is Joshua Lawrence Slocum. Wipe that look off your face. Don't stand there with your shoulders hunched. Stand up at attention. Respect me. Smile. I said smile. That's what this is. It's also, yes, mommy, what? All right. We're coming up to the end of the show. I'm just going to wing this. I was thinking about, I was thinking about reading a part of an essay that I wrote on Substack, but I decided uh, not, not to do it. Um, if you're interested, you can read it. Um, as I've mentioned last week and this week, um, 
I've been very seriously depressed recently. <clears throat> and I've noticed that a lot of other people are too. Um, and I... It's not good television to be overly mawkish and, and, and self-centered and go on and on and on about one's emotional problems. So that's why I'm not going to read you the whole essay where I went on and on and on about my emotional problems. Um, but from the response that that essay got, it's not just me. There's a lot of you out there who are feeling really dark right now. Um, and it's trite. But, but I mean it um, because <clears throat> so many people very kindly said to me what I'm going to say to you, which is that you are not alone. You are not the only one. It's a hard time of year for a lot of people. The darkness and the cold of this part of winter is, is unhelpful for a lot of people. But the world is also very, very dark right now. It's been dark for a while. Um, <clears throat> And this is, <laughs> this is one area where I feel a little bit inadequate. Frankly, I, sometimes I feel a little bit like a fraud because psychological problems are the warp and woof of this show and of what we do on the show and what I write about. And I feel wholly inadequate to the task of advising anybody on how to get out of depression because I don't do a great job with myself. I'm trying a lot of different things. We'll see what works. Um, what I'm not trying now is medicine. I've been off antidepressants for between four and five months now. It's the longest period that I've ever not been medicated. I was put on antidepressants when I was somewhere between 14 and 16 years old, and I've been on them most of my life. <clears throat> so perhaps this episode would not have lasted as long. But at this point in my life, I want to see what my brain is in its natural state. I want to know my mind without an artificial crutch. Um, and we'll see how that goes. But I, I just, I want to say to you, if you're going through this, I understand. You're not the only one. And although I can't tell you how it will pass, I know that it will. And I thank you for watching. And I thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week.